got a joy-filled set for you guys. So I hope we're all ready to bring it today because our God deserves it so much. church. We are grateful to be gathered together this morning and to continue our celebration of the Advent season. If you're not familiar with Advent, during this time before Christmas, we have a chance to celebrate and recognize three very specific things. Number one, 
that Christ once came, fully God and both fully man, 2,000 years ago and dwelt among us. Second, that Christ's presence continues to dwell with us today through the power of the Holy Spirit. And third, that we recognize that Jesus will come back one day fully triumphant as King of King and Lord of Lords. So every week that we celebrate Advent, we have the opportunity to light a candle to remind us that Jesus in the midst of this season brings hope, peace, joy, and love. This morning, we light the candle of joy, also known as the shepherd's candle. Imagine the shepherd's great joy when they found out from the angels that Jesus was coming for the seemingly unimportant and the humble just like them. In liturgy, we often notice that the color of rose is the color of joy. And so here today, we've lit the pink candle to remind us all that in the midst of the season, we can rejoice and be joyful for the coming of Christ. As we enter into a time of prayer this morning, I recognize that there may be some of you in the room where this season or just this time of life right now has not been joyful for you. If you are in a place of need right now or in a place of prayer, whether it's for joy for yourself, whether it's for somebody you know or there's something else going on, I wanna invite you in this moment just to take a step of faith and to take a seat and to know that we have people around you that would love to come to lay hands on you, to pray with you and alongside you in the midst of this season. So if that's you, take a seat. And for the rest of us, let's bow our head and go before God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are thankful to be gathered together this morning as the body of Christ. We are thankful for each and every person that's here, each and every person that's engaging with us online. And God, we just recognize that in the midst of this Christmas, in the midst of this Advent season, Lord, that there may be people in here that are in need of joy, whether it's circumstances at work or at home or amongst family or different things that are going on. We just want to pray for a tangible sense of your presence and your joy, peace that surpasses all understanding and hope in the midst of this season that you are with us. We pray over each and every situation, God, that you would just show up exactly as you are needed and that you would continue to bring joy as we look ahead towards the coming of the birth of our Savior. And God, as we think of the needs, not only in this congregation, we think of our communities at large. And so this morning, we lift up in prayer, Coopersville Cares. We thank you so much for the ministry that is continuing to provide joy and hope for people through providing resources and support. And we just continue to pray over the ministry as they reach the people in the Coopersville community and beyond this season. And as we think of our church globally, we lift up the wards as they are doing ministry over in Asia. And we just pray that you continue to strengthen their faith and their journey. We pray that you will continue to raise up missionaries as there are millions of people who over there who need to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. And would you also just come along the existing churches there and the pastors and just continue to strengthen and encourage them as they are doing the good work. God, we are so thankful to be gathered together under one name this morning and pray that as we continue in worship, we can just continue to feel the spirit of your joy over each and every one of us. And we pray all of these things continuing to love God and to love others as you called us to. Amen. Would you guys stand if you're able and continue to join us in worship?
there for a moment band keep driving that for me please you know it's it's interesting i was asking myself this morning you know what does joy mean and joy does not mean the absence of pain or sadness or grief but joy means that god through the power of his spirit meets us in our darkest place he meets us with his resurrection life he meets us with his healing he meets us with his spirit and his spirit brings us a peace, Paul says, that passes all understanding. And so in this room right now, I recognize that many of us are dealing with difficult things, hard things, struggles, trials, whatever. But I also know that the scriptures tell us that we are to count it all joy when we face different things, knowing that the testing or the proving of our faith brings about God's perfection in us, that God slowly transforms us into his image as we endure things. And so my encouragement for you today is even if you're coming into this place feeling some heaviness, God wants you to lay that at his feet today, to trust that he is working in your life through the power of his spirit. And because of that, you have a reason to celebrate. I have a reason to celebrate that Advent is not just the fact that Jesus came 2,000 years ago. It's the fact that he's with us right now and he's coming again one day. That we will get to experience heaven on earth. But we get to have that a little bit today. And so we're going to sing a new song, something, something newer. It's not that new of a song, but it's a new song to us. But listen to the words of this song. And allow this to sink into your spirit today because there's power in what we say. I don't know if you know that. Our words have power. That when we declare things, it not only goes out into our physical realm, but we're given power by the Holy Spirit to declare things in the spirit realm. And so we're going to sing something about taking off our garments of heaviness and placing on garments of praise. And I just want to challenge you this morning to speak that over your life today and ask the Spirit of God to meet you and to bring new joy. Band, let's drive this and let's sing this together. All my heaviness and put on this garment of praise. 
Cause you turned my morning into dancing You turned my night into day I put off all my heaviness and I put on this garment of praise You turned my morning into dancing You turned my night into day Oh, my night into day to the Lord. I didn't do that during first service, so y'all are lucky, but good morning and welcome to All Shores Wesleyan Church. My name is Pastor Aaron. Grateful that you have chosen to spend your Sunday morning with us. If you are new this morning, I hope you are warmly welcomed and have enjoyed and felt God's presence and service thus far. If you are a returning part of the family, we thank you for being here and are glad to see you. Whether you are new with us or whether you are a returning member, but you're looking to get connected, you would like some prayer, or you're looking for a way to take next steps, I want to point your attention to the screen where we'll put up a QR code for our connection card. We'll also find some physical ones in the seat back in front of you. Again, that is just our chance for us to connect with you and you to connect with us. So if there's something in this season that you need prayer for, you're looking how to take next steps, or maybe you just want to step in further into the church if you're new here, please fill one of those out. We would love to get connected with you. So also be the point in our service where we give of our tithes and offering as part of our worship. On the screen, you'll see we have some ways to give digitally. In the back, as you're leaving outside in the lobby, you'll see some black boxes if you prefer to give physically as well. For those of you that are new here, know that there is no obligation to give. We hope that this service is gift enough for you. But for those of you that are returning, we continue to thank you for your generous giving and continue to challenge to participate in this act of worship as we seek to serve the communities around us and the communities globally that we're a part of. Last thing for you this morning, on your way out, you'll see that we have cards with all of the information of our service times coming up for Blue Christmas, our Christmas Adam, and our Christmas Eve services. And I invite you to pick one of those up, but not just for you guys so you can remember, but be thinking of the people that are on your Frank list. Be thinking of the people that you know need to be here, whether it's for Blue Christmas or it is one of those Christmas Eve services. Maybe grab a couple extra or be willing to invite those people in this season. And now as we turn our attention to the screen, I think we have some advice on how not to invite people to church this eve. Hey, it's your neighbors, Jim and Joanna Sanders. Hi. Hey, who are we kidding? We live in a totally different neighborhood. Yeah, or they won't even open the doors for us anymore. That's right, that's right. <laughs> but these guys live in your neighborhood, yeah. Dwayne and Darla. Hi. We thought we'd come on by and sing some Yule tidings. What do you say? Whoa, whoa, hey, hey, oh, back up the sled, Rudolph. You haven't even heard our first chronal doodly-doo yet, all right? <laughs> we want to invite you to our Christmas Eve service where the theme of the night is if your hell-bound soul is nervous, 
Come to our Christmas Eve service. Oh. Dwayne, one, two, three. Hark how the bells, sweet silver bells, all seem to say, please come our way. Christmas, Christmas Eve night, candles lit bright. Oh, can it be a light nativity? Please, though it's free, there is no cost. You need to come because you're lost. It's a reason for the season, and we know that you're a heathen. Hey, neighbor, tried the front door, nobody answered, so I thought we'd give the old garage door a try, and there you are. It's my church friend, Brother Jim. Hey, Dwayne's neighbor, Merry Christmas. Hey, I noticed that you didn't have a nativity set within like 10 feet of your front door, which is a dead giveaway of your atheism, so what I thought we'd do is just give you a little bit of seasonal sanctification, huh? Whoa, 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 hey, hey, hey. Won't you join us on Christmas Eve? To make up for your evil deeds. Got the candles here. Whoa, whoops, if Jiminy Christmas. Sorry about that. Sir, I want to buy these shoes for my mama, please. What kind of person closes the door on mama's shoes? You, you should, should stop, stop your sin and folly. No, ma'am. Dwayne's neighbor, hold on right there. Hey, I think we got up on the wrong foot. We have one more little ditty for you that I think you're gonna love. Hit it! Jingle bells, jingle bells, hear our jingle bell. Join us for this Christmas Eve, or you'll go straight to. Well, happy Sunday, everybody. So glad that we all get to be together. My name is Evan, if we haven't had the chance to meet. And I do want to give a welcome to our Muskegon campus, all of you who are watching online, and those of you at our Spring Lake campus. Come on, Spring Lake. Can you show your church family some love? We're so glad you're with us. Shout out to those of you who might be watching this later throughout the week or another week. So glad you're tuning in. And you probably don't know this, but this is a special day for me. This is the first time that I'm preaching since my beautiful wife gave birth to our fourth little girl. This is Selah Faith. And if I say good afternoon or good evening instead of good morning, it's because my body is in a different time zone for these last six weeks we're so excited that she's here. Her name is found in the book of Psalms in the Bible. It means praise or pause. And one of the reasons we like that name is because we couldn't find a name that meant we're done. <laughs> and so we went four for four, girl, dad, forever. Please don't ask me about a fifth. We're just living in the moment, okay? We're in the third week of Advent, this time leading up to Christmas, it relives, if you will, the period of the nation of Israel or, or the Jewish people looking forward to their long-awaited Messiah. No one expected God to come in the form of a little baby, crying in a manger, surrounded by a virgin mother and a poor father. And in the same way, we believe that we'll miss what God wants to say to us if we don't wait for what God has for us. If we just show up that day and enjoy Christmas's festivities, God has something for us in the waiting. Amen? Amen. 
So we're going to be using Isaiah 35 as a backdrop for our time this morning. It contains a prophecy about Jesus. But before we dive into that passage, we pause every week to remind ourselves that the same God who inspired what we're about to read today is the same God who's with us today. And I don't know what kind of week you're walking in with or what transpired or what you're walking through, but he does. He knows exactly what you need this morning. And I believe that he can give each one of us personally exactly what we need. And so that's why we pause, just to create room for you to silently affirm that whatever God wants to say to you this morning, that you actually want to hear it. And so why don't you do that in the silence and then I'll pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this moment. We get this moment together. And we don't just have to settle for talking about you. We can actually experience this time with you. So I pray for every single person on the sound of my voice. Would you open up our hearts and open up our minds for the word that you have for each one of us. And it's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. And amen. Well, to focus our time together, we're going to be trying to answer one question that comes out of our text this morning. Here it is. Why can the season of Advent be hard? Why can the season of Advent be hard? And I'm not just talking about these weeks leading up to December 25th, because in a lot of ways, it's not hard. It's supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year, isn't it? And yet within the church calendar, these weeks have been set aside to ground us in the waiting, in the hard, in order to prepare us and remind us what the coming of Jesus' birth really means. And for so many of us, we've designed our lives to feel the opposite. That the weeks leading up to Christmas are like going from one party to the next, and Christmas Day is the ultimate moment of celebration that most of us Go through these weeks never thinking about the hard in our lives. And then we hit the new year and we do it all over again, all over again, never knowing a good place to stop and face it. And this is where I think Isaiah 35 can really help us today. And how it points to Jesus in the midst of what we're walking through. But before we dive into verse 1, let me just give you a couple of contexts. So this, this book is in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is all about this nation of Israel. And at some point, the nation of Israel actually splits into two nations. There's the northern nation of, of Israel and the southern nation of Judah. And the capital of the northern nation is Samaria. And so during Isaiah's lifetime, which is the book that we'll be in today... A foreign nation, Assyria, comes and wipes out the northern nation of Israel. That's this. But that's not enough. They keep going south until they hit the nation of Judah, whose capital is Jerusalem. And Isaiah and all the people in Judah are in Jerusalem. And if you were to fast forward, we're going to be in Isaiah 35, but if you were to fast forward to Isaiah 36 and 37, you would see where the commander of the Assyrian armies is talking with the king of Judah and, and all of his people. But we're in the midst of these two lines. We're in the midst of something's on its way. What does Isaiah, as the prophet, have to say to the people of Judah? And so here's where we pick up in verses 1 and 2. This is what Isaiah says. He says, The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it'll burst into bloom. It'll rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. What is Isaiah saying? He's saying that's what's up will come down, and what's down will go up, that this neighboring nation of Assyria may look like they have a better plot of land, that they're more powerful, that they're in control, but what's happening? The desert that no one wants, the wilderness that no one lives in, a.k.a. Judah, that that's going to be the place where God brings his blessing. Isaiah continues on in verses 3 through 7. Here's what he says. Strengthen the feeble hands. 
steady the knees that give way. Say to those who are of, with fearful hearts, be strong, don't fear, your God will come. He'll come with vengeance, with divine retribution, he will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Isaiah continues his thoughts, strengthen the weak hands, steady the wobbly knees. Why? Because Assyria is on its way. Death is marching towards them. Uncertainty, doom and gloom, sickness, hunger, thirst is coming. And what does Isaiah tell the people? Be strong. Don't fear. God is on his way. This is the first thing I think we can draw out of the text this morning. Remember, we're trying to answer this question. Why can a season of Advent be hard? Here's the first thing that we see. Oh, I forgot to read you two verses. Okay. Verses 6 and 7, then the lame will leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool. The thirsty ground bubbling springs in the haunts where jackals once lay. Grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. Remember, we're trying to answer this question. Why can the season of Advent be hard? Here's what we see. It's because the journey to God always requires highs and lows. The journey to God always requires highs and lows. If you were to have dinner with the Hooksimus on any given night, you, know, you would know that we do these, these two things. Almost every night we do highs and lows. We go around the table with our little girls and we say, what was the best part of your day and what was the worst part of your day? And very seldom at our table is there ever a night where every single one of us doesn't have a low. That we live our lives expecting all highs and blue skies. But most days, it's a mixed bag, isn't it? Growing up, I lived in a house where the front door was locked, so we always went in through the garage. And, and my dad had a sign hanging up right by the door as you enter our house. The sign said, whining, five cents. And that was when I didn't have a lot of money. So five cents was a lot. You know, growing up, I, I kind of liked that sign, honestly, because it, it told me one thing. I don't have to talk about my lows. And I'm an optimistic guy. I'm a glass half full kind of guy. Even if the glass isn't half full, I'm sure we can find some water somewhere to fill it up. And I think a lot of us do that in our spiritual lives. God's right next to us as we're going throughout our days. It's almost as if he's saying, hey, do you need help with that? What do most of us say in one way or another? We say, no, we're good. Don't worry about us. I'm sure there are other people who need it more today. I'll make it on my own. That somewhere in our American pull-yourself-up-by-the-bootstrap self-made culture, we've airbrushed the lows and underlined the highs. I think somewhere along the way, we as the church must have convinced each other that because the goodness of God is so good that you and I aren't allowed to feel any loss. That because the greatness of God is so great that you and I can't acknowledge any of our pain. Why can the season of Advent be hard? Because the journey to God always requires highs and lows. We pick up in verses 8 and 9. Here's what Isaiah continues to say. He says, And a highway will be there. It'll be called the way of holiness. It'll be for those who walk on that way. The unclean won't journey on it. Wicked fools won't go on about it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They won't be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there. I love this picture. In the midst of Judah shutting its gates because it's not safe to go outside comes the prophecy of a highway being laid out called the way of holiness. Not everyone will be able to walk on it, only those who are known by God. It'll be a protected path, a, a safeguard. Only the redeemed shall walk there. Notice that that word is plural. 
Here's the second insight I think we can draw out of our text this morning. Remember, trying to answer this question. Why can the season of Advent be hard? Here's what we see. Because the road is treacherous for those who walk alone. The road is treacherous for those who walk alone. You ready for this? I'm about to share one of the central tenets of my life, what I believe about who we are and how God made us. Here it is. That if our spiritual lives have a lock, then community is the key. That if our spiritual lives have a lock, then community is the key. Here's another way to say it. It's that you and I cannot experience all that God has for us in this life without each other. There's a level that you and I can't access spiritually if it's just all about us. That in order for us to grow, mature, spiritually speaking, we have to be in relationship with each other. Let me just show you a verse so you don't think I'm crazy. The the guys who I meet with every Tuesday, we were in 1 John together this past week. This comes out of 1 John chapter 4, verses 20 through 21. Here's what it says. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. You want to know a dirty little church secret? Some of us think we're too good for community. Others of us don't think we're good enough. Still more think that we don't have time, we're too busy, and and even more convince ourselves that we don't need deep relationships with others because we don't mind being by ourselves. But what we fail to realize is that community is not an add-on, it's a must also. That whatever community you find yourself in the midst of, that's the environment where you live out your must also. This is what makes the church the church. That we're called to be one body, serving each other, caring for each other, lifting up each other's burdens, rejoicing with each other, weeping with each other admonishing and sharpening each other. Why can the season of Advent be hard? Because the road is treacherous for those who walk alone. Here's our last verse. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. I love that. Sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Here's the third insight I think we can draw out of our text this morning. Remember, we're trying to answer this question. Why can the season of Advent be hard? Here's what we see. Because you and I cannot buy what we most need. You and I cannot buy what we most need. Maybe you buy presents for yourself. Maybe other people do. Maybe you have gifts under the Christmas tree. Maybe they come in blue and white Amazon boxes. But what I can guarantee you, one thing, that no matter what you open this Christmas, no matter how fancy or how practical, no matter how cozy, cool, novel, new, or trendy, that nothing that you'll open this year will be what you need most. Because all of us need an answer for the weight, the gravity, the disappointments, the broken relationships, the grief, the loss, the heartbreak, and the loneliness that we feel throughout the year. And God has a gift for you and me. One that doesn't make the pain go away, but it does bring meaning to it. It's a gift called joy. What Christ followers have been saying for millennia is this. That the pain you experience, the grief you carry, the loss you've endured, that it's temporary. 
that it is a part of you now, but there will be a day where you and I will have no more sorrow, no more loss, no more grief, no more pain, that there's a day coming when you and I will be reunited with our loved ones, where you will embrace those you've lost. That you won't have to let go of those who have gone to a place that you cannot go. You won't have to strive anymore, hustle anymore, cry anymore. That everything will be made right when Jesus returns in his glory. But my friends, that time is not yet. That you and I are still here. And so in the meantime, God gives us one of the greatest gifts outside of salvation. He promises to give us joy. The joy of the Lord that is our strength. The joy of the Lord that keeps us going. And I hope you hear, I hope you hear me. Because I know that for some of you that can sound trite. Let me just show you what I believe about sorrow and sighing, grief and loss in our lives. This whole time we've been trying to answer one question. Why can the season of Advent be hard? Here's what we see. It's because Advent teaches us that sorrow creates something in us that later joy somehow completes. The Advent teaches us that sorrow creates something in us that later joy somehow completes. There's a story author Pete Scazzaro cites in multiple of his books. It's of a man who in, the, in a split second of an oncoming collision with another car lost his wife, their four-year-old daughter, and his mom, all who were in the car. This man later wrote a book describing the incomprehensible pain that changed his life. This is what he wrote. This is what he says. He said, it's not therefore true that we become less through loss unless we allow the loss to make us less. Grinding our soul down until there's nothing less. Loss can also make us more. I did not get over the loss of my loved ones. Rather, I absorbed the loss into my life until it became part of who I am. Sorrow took up permanent residence in my soul and enlarged it. One learns the pain of others by suffering one's own pain, by turning inside oneself, by finding one's own soul. However painful, sorrow is good for the soul. For the soul is elastic, like a balloon. It can grow larger through suffering. If you'd have shared that quote with me 10, year, 10 years ago, I think I honestly would have dismissed it. So I think my, my subconscious goal in life was to avoid as much suffering as possible. To do everything in my power to make things go well in my life. To try to control as much as I could. To direct things towards a better end. Until I couldn't. Remember, it was a couple months after my family lost my dad. He had a four-year battle with brain cancer until, until it finally took his life. A month after my dad passed, our third daughter was born. And man, I'm telling you. That next 18 months were some of the darkest of my entire life. Because up until that point in life, I was able for the most part to carry myself, manage my own emotions, my own experiences. But for the first season in my life, I was truly out of commission, depressed. Didn't, it was hard to know which way was up. I remember one morning in my office, I was reading through scripture and it was like all of a sudden, a dam broke. Little tears turned into big tears and I just started sobbing. And then what everyone wants to hear when they're in the middle of sobbing, I hear a knock on the door. <laughs> you know how some people can cry and wipe away the tears and it doesn't appear like they were crying? That was not this, okay? I didn't even have time to say come in or stay out and in walks my wife. I don't even know why she was there. Maybe the dog was babysitting the kids. I don't know. But at that point, 
I didn't care. When I saw her, it was almost like another dam broke. We had been married for six or seven years at that point, and she had very rarely ever seen me cry. For the most part, I could hold it together and then address it when I was alone, deal with it myself, but there was no going back now. And without a word, she came to where I was and just held me as I cried. And the strangest thing happened. It was almost like a second wall, one that I didn't even know was there, started to come down. One of the best gifts my dad has ever given me was in his passing. That he removed from me this this need to be self-sufficient before God. And he gave me deeper intimacy with my wife. God doesn't create sorrow, but he doesn't waste it either. God doesn't cause our pain, but he does use it for our benefit. Sorrow creates something in us that later joy somehow completes. You might be saying, Evan, this is good and all, but what do I actually do? Let me give you three of the, of the simplest things I could think of. The first one is this. Don't bury your pain. Whatever we don't process, we carry with us. And I don't know what has been a safe place for you over the years. I've been in counseling. I have a lot of amazing friends, amazing mentors. But, but the first place I always go to process what I'm dealing with is one of these. I counted them up this morning. This is, this is the 19th journal that I have on my shelf. And I have one page left. That over the years, this has been a place where God meets me. Where I don't have to bury whatever I'm going through, but I can hold it out before God and he can meet me there. Don't bury your pain. The second one is this. Don't hide from others. None of us like to appear weak before others. And while we may impress others with our strengths, we connect with each other through our weaknesses. That none of us are self-sufficient. None of this can do this thing called life on our own. That we need each other. And that's not a bad thing. Don't bury your pain. Don't hide from others. Don't harden towards God. I'll be the first to say that God doesn't always give us the life that we'd choose. That if I could choose, my dad would still be here. But God didn't take him away to punish me. He's not mad at me. That when those things happen, those are the places where God meets us. I know for so many of us, we don't know how to walk through this alone. And so as a church, we've designed something every year. It's called Blue Christmas. It's a service. It's happening Thursday, December 21st at 6.30 p.m. here at the Spring Lake campus. And it's a service specifically designed for those of us who feel like we've lost something this year. And that's not just a loved one. I would argue all of us have lost something this year. But it's a place, instead of running away from God or hardening towards others, it's a place where we can together hold each other up, encourage each other, and experience what God has for us, the full life, in the midst of our grief and pain and sorrow. I think there's going to be a group launching out of this, out of this night called the Grief Share, where, where it would actually be a semester-long group where you could walk alongside others processing what you're going through. Here's what I would say. What's your next step? It can be different for all of us. But that's part of the beauty 
of interacting with an eternal God is that we always can take a step towards where he wants us to go. It's not something we have to do. It's something that he's inviting us into to to lighten the load that we carry and to lean more and more on him. What I would love to do just for the few moments that we have left is just to give you space to do that before God. So if you would, just close your eyes for me. I would love to pray for us. Heavenly Father, we look to you that we don't know what to do with everything we've walked through, everything that you've had for us. We don't know how to handle it. We don't know how to process it. We don't know how to talk about it. And yet, you're there to help us, to encourage us, that those aren't emotions that are foreign to you, that you want to be the one to hold us when we cry. And so I pray for every single person under the sound of my voice, Holy Spirit, you know exactly what they need. And I pray that you would give them something, put something inside of them that they did not have when they walked in or when they joined us. For just a moment longer, I just want to, I don't want to rush past this moment. There might be some of you who when you walked in or when you opened up your laptop or whatever it is, you would say, I don't know what it actually looks like to be in relationship with Jesus. And I just don't want to run past this moment. Maybe sometime throughout this service, you felt something or someone drawing you to take a step to be more in relationship with the God who created you. And I would love nothing more than to give you the opportunity to respond. And I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you come to the front. I'm not going to, I'm not going to make you stand up, but I do want to know who I'm praying for. So whether you're online, you can let us know online, but if you're in the room, will you just slip your hand up if that's you? Yes, yes, I see you. Yes, I see you. Yes, I see you over there. Yes, I see you. If that's you, would you just, would you just pray this prayer in your own words? Say, Heavenly Father, I hear you. I hear you calling to me. And I want to respond in the only way I know how. Would you forgive me for going my own way, insisting on my own path? Holy Spirit, would you come inside of me take up permanent residence within my soul? Would you cleanse me and help me to live a life worthy of the calling that I've been given? And it's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Come on, church, can you celebrate some new brothers and sisters in Christ? If you raised your hand, can I just encourage you to do one thing? Will you let us know? The best way to do that is on that connection card we talked about earlier. There's a spot where you can mark my decision today. We would love to walk with you, to help you, to give you some resources that might be encouraging to you, might be helpful to you. You can turn it in at connection point as you walk out of here. We just want to celebrate with you. And we're going to end the way that we always end, which is with communion. If you got a one of those little plastic cups on your way in, great. If you didn't, they're still out there if you need one. But we do this every week to remind ourselves that Jesus didn't just come once to meet us and then we have everything that we need for the rest of our lives. Communion is an act where we come back to need God again. And so it was on the night that Jesus was betrayed that he gathered with his friends and he took bread before the meal and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And so we do that together, church. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this is the cup of a new covenant. My blood 
shed for the forgiveness of your sins. Drink of this, all of you, in remembrance of me. And so we do that together as well. Amen. Well, church, let's stand and sing together. Gracious Redeemer, gracious Redeemer, you looked upon me long before Eden, you knew my great need, woven through history, a rich crimson thread, your plan salvation in this nature bed.
If you would, place out your hands. I would love to give you a blessing as we leave. May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, may he carry you in your sorrow. May he draw near to you in your pain. And may he put his joy inside of you so that no one could take it away. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. We love you, church. See you next week.